Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) My goodness, have we seen some of the most exciting baseball to ever start a season. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Like, ever. You know, Chris, I think this will be – I did this for, for, for I think it was my mother. I, I, talked, I talked to her about this over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know what? Let's see just how crazy baseball has gotten. Yeah. So I pulled up MLB.com um, because I know that on MLB.com, it not just shows the games that are going on, but it shows, okay, well, what happened yesterday? What happened the day before that, right? So what we're going to look at is – Opening all, all the way back to opening day. Now, Chris, what day was opening day? Was it March 20, 28, 29th? Yeah, I believe it was March. Oh, no, 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 no. come on. Um, yeah, it was, check on that real quick. Yeah, I'm going to check on that I real quick. Cool, cool. Because um, I got MLB up right here. And I am looking at, you know, I might have to pull it up on Google Chrome. Um but basically, I talked to my mom about this. And March thirtieth. March thirtieth. I knew. 30th. I knew you were close, but I was like, very "It's close. yeah." Very, very, close. very, very close. Yeah. So, um, I, I talked to my mom about this, and basically, on a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day basis, we're seeing of like the it's usually about twelve games a day. Yeah. You know, twenty-four teams. You know, maybe twenty-six teams because. You know, players take days off, so 13 games, maybe 14 games a day, something along those lines. So of of that many games per day, we're seeing an absolutely absurd number of games where it's 10-plus runs being Mm -hmm. scored and an absolutely absurd number of games where it's close games and an absolutely absurd number of games where there's shutouts. There's there's really nothing in between there. There's no – four to two victories that that doesn't really that 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 hasn't really existed uh this year so uh we're gonna go back to opening day the opening day we have uh i think games that are like seven and two are are fairly normal so we're not even going to talk about like the seven and two games even though for all intents and purposes it's pretty lopsided there um the, the yankees shut out the the giants in one of the games on opening day the Orioles faced down the Red Sox in a 10 to 9 game. The Rangers faced down the Phillies in an 11 to 7 game. The Rays shut out the Tigers for zip. The Cubs shut out the Brewers for zip. You had a one run game between the Pirates and the Reds, 5 4. You have the Blue Chase scoring 10 and the Cardinals scoring 9. You have the Twins shutting out the, the Royals, 2 zip. You have a 3 to 2 game between the Astros and the White Sox. You have a 1-2 to two game with the Angels and the A's. You have an 8-2 to two game. That's a big enough separation. I think above 7 and like a 6-run difference is probably big enough separation. 8-2 to two game, Dodgers-Diamondbacks, and a 3-zip, again, another shutout by the Mariners uh, versus the Guardians. That was opening day. Now, because so many teams played on opening day, there was only five games the next day. Nonetheless, one of the five games was a nine to four contest with 13 hits, Guardians, Mariners, 13 hits on one side, mind you, 20 hits in the whole game. 
you have two games that ended two to one. One is Mets and Marlins, and one is Diamondbacks Dodgers. So even the next day, even even though the there was only five games, three of them were exciting. Two nail biters and one that was a nine to four contest. So and that nine to four, like I said, twenty hits that 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 game. Uh, it, it just gets crazier from here. Okay, crazy, Six. crazy, and it's so exciting. It's it's amazing. Like the next day, you have sixteen to three Rangers over Phillies, a seven to one Braves Nationals. It's a big enough separation. Uh, seven to seven to five uh, Yankees versus Giants, which seems like a fairly normal score, until you realize not only is it twelve runs being scored, but it's twenty two hits. So that that is a and similarly, you know, you have Red Sox versus Orioles, nine to eight, twenty four hits in the whole game. 13 to 1. Oh my goodness. 13 to 1. Angels versus Athletics. 12 to 2. Rays versus Tigers. This is the third day of the season. Two zip. Now the Twins are shutting out the Royals. Uh, two zip. Mariners, uh, Guardians. Now the Guardians are shutting out the Mariners. Oh my goodness. 10 to 1. Dodgers, Diamondbacks. Dodgers winning. Uh, and again, this is the third day of the year. You know, and, and and it's I thought that this was maybe going to be like a short term thing. No, it just keeps going. Uh, the next day you have a, a nine to five uh, contest between the Red Sox and the Orioles where 24 hits are recorded. The Yankees shut out the Giants six zero. You have a nine four game with 26 hits between the Cardinals and the Blue Jays, both playoff teams. Mind you, you got one of those one run contests, two to one Dodgers Diamondbacks. Man. That was a series. Dodgers Diamondbacks almost every single game was just unbelievably entertaining. Stolen bases, you know, big matchups, you know, Kershaw, Bumgarner, and it, it was a lot of scoring. It was it was amazing baseball. You have again we're the fourth day of the year. The Angels are shutting out the A's. The Brewers beat the Cubs nine to five in a twenty-two hit game. You have a six to five game between the Mariners and the Guardians, which again, that's a, that's a close game. That's awesome. You know, nine hits hit by both teams, but the way that it was three hits by one team, or sorry, three runs by one team in, in, in the second, or no, no, sorry. Let's talk about the first because I, I, I didn't have it. It was blocking out the first. So the first inning Seattle scores in the second inning, the Guardians score three in the third inning, Seattle scores three. Then later on in the fifth, both teams score one, and the Guardians take the lead in the seventh. So back and forth, back and forth. Two to one game, Rangers, Phillies. And we could just keep going. Every day is like this. Every day. twelve. The next day, 12-3 Giants over White Sox, 10-zip Brewers over Mets. And those, those are contenders right there. Um, six versus six, seven Cubs versus Reds, eight to one Yankees over Phillies, 11 to one twins over Marlins, nine, five Royals versus Blue Jays, six, seven Pirates, Red Sox, like the Orioles shut out the Rangers. Uh, you have another six, seven contest between the Astros and the Tigers. You have an 11 versus 12 contest between the Athletics and the Guardians. You have a 13 to four contest between the Rockies and the Dodgers. And you have a 5 4 between the, the, the Diamondbacks and the Padres, two more con uh, contending teams. And, you know, we could just keep going. You know, that's what the fifth day of the season, that's all the way back on April 3rd. Today's the 12th. 
and it's every it's every game it's at, well every day about four out of the 12 games are high scoring another two are close and then at least another one of them's a shutout it's an absurd amount of the number of games per day that are played that are like this i've never seen baseball like this people are stealing bases like nobody's business you know uh, we have in extra innings the runner on second so there's a lot of scoring after the ninth inning, which makes things really exciting. And for a home team, it gives them the advantage because it allows for more walk-offs because they bat last. And all they have to do is score that one run more than the other team, and it's a walk-off. So best baseball that I've ever seen in my entire life. Easily. So I had to jump into that for a quick second. Um, all right, so... We should get to the list, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should get to the list. Just jump right in. All right. Yeah, let's go. So, let's go. Now, first and foremost, the player list is done. So when we say, oh, jump into the list, don't be all confused and whatnot. Oh, I thought it was, I thought, you know, all of the, you know, the player list stuff was out there. Yes, we didn't go over the honorable mentions. Also, I didn't talk about uh, the list changes that were between the regular part of the list and the honorable mentions part of the list last week. I talked about the players who are jumping onto the list, onto the regular list. And I talked about the players who are completely coming off the list and the honorable mentions. But there's been some exchanges between the honorable mentions and the regular part of the list that I didn't note yet. So I feel like we should go over these uh, uh, very, very, you know, very briefly, Max Muncy's completely off the list. Uh, honorable mentions too. Brandon Crawford completely off the list. Honorable mentions too. Andrew Vaughn completely off the list. Honorable mentions too. He needs to adapt to the big league. It's not like he doesn't have the ability, but he's a few years out from being what he could be, and there's risk there because he's essentially a one skill player. He he has to hit because he's a righty, and that's all he can do. He's a hitter, and he's a righty. He doesn't have handedness in, in his advantage at all. Uh, Mankata, completely off the list. Yoshida, completely off the, the list. Tovar, completely – Ezekiel Tovar, completely off the list. Um, Diego Cartaya has cemented himself onto the list. He, we already got, went over him, but it's very clear that he is – I went over him because there was a little bit of doubt. He's, he's – I have no doubt about him anymore. Uh, Yidi Cappy is off the list, a shortstop prospect, um, C-A-P-P-E. If, if you want to know who I'm talking about, it's, it's saying his name quickly doesn't really allow you to understand who he is. Uh, uh, we have uh, jo Josh Naylor is on the list. Um, we have uh, Adele Amador, who is on the list now. Uh, Kyle Schwarber has jumped from the honorable mentions onto the list. Um, uh, Austin Wells is on the honorable mentions. Uh, Ha-Sung Kim, he's officially cemented himself on the list. I needed to see how his swing mechanics were. This is why the list is coming out like a week into the season, because the last thing to look at is a player's body composition and their swing mechanics, because that could have changed completely over the winter. Um, Greg Jones, uh, he was a guy who went from being a maybe he's officially on the list. Uh, there's no doubt about him. Um, Ji Huan Bay. 
he was a guy who I was debating putting onto the list. Um, super utility type, left-handed hitter, tons of speed. Um, he doesn't look it, but he's actually six foot one. Um, watching him in the box, you'd think, oh, this is a tiny guy. No. Um, and because of how his skills work, if he puts on muscle to that frame, it's going to pay dividends because this is a guy who's, yeah, he's fast, but he takes advantage of every base running opportunity. He's aggressive and he's smart. Um, also, he came up from the minors, basically spent one year at each level, never really repeated a level. So it's going to be interesting what it's going to be like for him when he repeats a level. He's with the Pirates right now. Um, Owen Casey, uh, he's on the honorable mentions part of the list. I need to see how his swing mechanics are going to play, you know, in a full year double A. Uh, Geraldo Perdomo, his swing mechanics completely changed. So he's officially on the honorable mentions list. Um, that was one where it was like he has every skill except for the ability to hit for power. And then he changed his swing mechanics in such a way that would allow him to hit for power. And I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm buying in um, because that's all he had to do in order to be a difference maker. I didn't think he'd be able to do it because he was rushed up to the big leagues. But he acclimated very, very quickly from what we can what we can observe. Um, Matt Carpenter off the list entirely. Um, I'm not going to allow one small sample size of maybe 35 games um, throw off what is a like seven-year decline, observable seven-year decline. Um, I certainly hope that he can, you know, have some sort of, you know, last year, but I, I think he's completely cooked. So he's completely off the list. Jorge Soler, also completely off the list. I detected a very subtle, very, very subtle, um, you, as in you can't really see it unless you really know what you're looking for, decline of him. Um, that's kind of sad because he's got great swing mechanics and he hits the ball very hard. And when he gets into one, it's beautiful. But it, it's been a very slow decline, and he's going to have to completely change his approach um, if he's going to be able to change that decline. And given the fact that he's a righty, he doesn't really have very many other skills because, yeah, he's a good outfielder, but if you put him in the outfield, he has a high probability of getting hurt. So, eh, you know, I, I don't feel confident enough in uh, all of those things working for him uh, to keep him on the list. So he's completely off. Um, uh, I was thinking about putting Trace Thompson on the list, but he's completely off. Um, the strikeouts are just too big of a worry. Um, Jake Fraley, who always had a great eye, um, he started really getting into balls. So he's really intriguing to me because he's a lefty. He's got a good eye. If his swing mechanics, if the change in them is is real and it looks real, um, he's going to be elevating baseballs. And as a patient hitter, um, I think that'll allow him to take advantage of of the grooved swing that he has. Um, probably be a high end platoon guy. You know, someone that you know plays you know in a platoon with someone who can really hit lefties. Because I don't think he's going to hit lefties. But um, nice little player that you could platoon in in your six or seven hole spot. Um, and that, that holds value, especially cause we don't know what it would be like if you put him in a ballpark that was favorable to him or, uh, a lineup with protection. So, um, uh, Sedan Rafaela, uh, who is a center field shortstop 
kind of super utility, amazing super utility prospect in Boston system. He is literally gold glove level in center field and can play an above average shortstop. You don't really see players who can do both of those things. Um, and it looks like he's going to hit at least hit lefties, but he may hit everyone. He may end up being like an actual superstar, but we'll see how things go. At minimum, you're looking at uh, an elite, elite, you know, super utility player, as good as they get. Um, Ozzy Albies, he's officially on the list. Um, given his age, I think he can find his way back to hitting. And a lot of the time when you have a guy who is known for their speed, that's like one of their chief skills, and they have a year where their speed kind of dips, which his sprint speed really dipped, you usually see like a big pushback the next year. So even if he's not quite hitting, um, at least as much as he used to, he's still going to be taking advantage of when he gets on base, and especially with the new rules, he's going to steal like 30 bases this year. So uh, if he if, if he doesn't hit, he's going to steal more. If he does hit, he's going to steal less. But if he's stealing less, you're talking about a well-rounded profile. If you're stealing more here, then he's just a great leadoff hitter. So uh, he's officially on the list. McNeil, similarly, as far as second baseman go, is now on the honorable mentions part of the list. Um, I like guys who are like kind of bat control guys. And I like guys who have lefty, you know, hitting going in their favor. I like guys who can play all over. I like guys who are smart players, good base runners. And all of those things describe Jeff McNeil. However, for quite some time, I've been worried about how much he's going to even be able to drive the ball. And there has been some observable declines with one hiccup year, if you will, uh, an expected WOBA. He was never a guy who was a tool-based player in the minors. He was always a great hit tool guy. you know. Uh, and I love that type of player, but it is less valuable without the shift than it is with the shift. Because with the shift, he can shorten up and just you know poke the ball right past third base and get an easy single there, you know, or right around third base. Because you, know, you have the, the fields playing all the way over to the right. Well, now you have to have at least two defenders on each side of the field. So he can't really do that. So he's losing the ability to get hits on that. And, you know, that's the other thing. He had one of the highest percentages of his hits being infield singles. And, you know, as far as, you know, the percentage of being able to beat out an infield single, like basically he was the king of infield singles last year. So between, you know, poking the ball the other way, and, you know, the infield singles kind of being stymied both by the shift going away. So you have more spread out defenders. Um, I think it's really going to hit his batting average. And given that we've already seen a year to year decline, um, especially with power. And that, that's the big thing that I doubted. Um, now, similar to, you know, Luis Arias, Luis Arias also got very lucky on balls in play. Um, not just talking about the balls that were on the ground. And I think Similarly, McNeil also got lucky on, on a lot of those balls in play, and his expected statistics bear this out. Now, I don't feel comfortable completely moving him off the list because he makes tons of contact, tons of contact. He is left-handed. He does run the bases. He can play all over, and you could put him in a platoon and probably you know, get just enough offense from him to make that platoon an above-average total-hitting platoon. So he has a place on a playoff team like he's a, he would be he has a really good place on a playoff team especially because he's going to hit righties more than lefties but 
given the, the drastic drop-off in the ability to hit for power, I feel much more comfortable putting him on the honorable mentions part. Uh, Luis Arias, like I said, similarly, he also won the batting title in the American League. Um, Arias doesn't have any other skills going for him. He's not a good base runner. He doesn't hit for power. Uh, he doesn't play multiple positions well. I don't, I don't think he plays anywhere well. Um, he plays second base and first base. And Sometimes you're not too pretty. brutally honest. <laughs> it's true. And I think that's the reason why McNeil ends up showing up on the list. He has all of these other skills. He's like a really good player in terms of he's a, he's a, he's a ball player's ball player. He's well-rounded in all of those types of skills. He just can't hit enough for power. And it keeps going down. And it may impact his batting average at a certain point in time. Whereas Arias when the batting average drops, he doesn't have other skills to back up on. Uh, you know, okay, he's a lefty, but like that's that's the only other skill that he has to back up on. Um, I think that's part of the reason why he was sent over to Miami. Uh, I think the Twins have enough position players where they're, they're going to find a way to fit him in, but I, I, I digress. So, yeah, McNeil's on the honorable mentions part of the list. Um I'm beginning to think that Randy Rosarena is an anomaly, you know, completely unique player given the way that he produces um, between how he performed in the playoffs, between how he beat out expected statistics each of the last two years, uh, the WBC being able to show up to that degree, coming back and starting the year like this and not just starting the year like this, his swing looks so much more dynamic. Um, with a guy as, as athletic as he is, maybe it's just he needed enough reps to have some of these skills really round into form at the big league level. Um, my dad hated him, so it, it does hurt my soul a little bit, you know, that I'm going to have to move him onto the list. But it, we, we are unbiased here. It is what it is. Um, then we have uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who is a very, very interesting power hitter. Um, in the, in, in, he's probably going to start around double a this year or get at some point to double a this year, spend a significant portion of the season at double a, he could be a 30 homer guy. This season is going to determine whether he's that type of guy. I think he is. That's why I have him on here because my assessment is that I think he's going to hit, I think he's going to really hit. Um, so he's on the list. Uh, Curtis Mead. I didn't think that Curtis Mead could play second base, but what I'm hearing is that he can. And with his offensive skill set, that makes the offense like if he's a third baseman, he may need to hit more. But at second base, he hits plenty. So he jumped onto the list as a second baseman because I didn't know he could do that. It's a, it's a great fit given his offense. And I think you give him more time there, he'd actually be a decent defender. Um, Colin Barber, another Astro. Uh, but I, I got to put him on the list. He's fast. He hits line drives. He's a lefty. He actually could play center field. And after missing significant amount of time, mainly because of the COVID season and, you know, the, the, he, he didn't really play much in his draft year. He went straight up to high A and he did great in high A after not really playing, you know, since before the draft. So I'm really intrigued to see what he could do now in double A his second year in the minors. Um, but he has all the tools that you would need to have to be a center fielder. And he's a lefty, he's a line drive hitting lefty. And, you know, what we're learning about the shift going away is the shift going away is actually helping righties more than we ever thought. And we're also learning that it helps lefties most on line drives. It doesn't help lefties as much 
on, on fly balls. But if you're a lefty and you hit line drives, it is going to save your profile. That's how lefties are going to be ending up uh, gaining in batting average. But it is really cool to see that the shift really, really took that much away from righties. And I had no idea that it really did. So right now, righty offenses, you know, it's off the hook. Um, all right. So we have uh, Edgar Huero. He has officially cemented himself on the list. I think we talked about him when we went over the catchers. He was a guy I was kind of debating, but at this point, he's a switch hitter. He has a tremendous amount of strength in his swing um, and his body, really. If he can stay at catcher, he's going to be a superstar. But that's kind of the question. Is he going to stay at catcher? Um, if he moves to third, I think he'll still be a very good player, though. So he's officially on the list. Um, Olsen, Matt Olson's on the list because of consistency. Um, I think that's all I need to say about him. Vaughn Grisham is on the honorable mentions part of the list because I need to see what he can do in the high minors. Very clearly, the Braves were were basically adamant coming out of spring training that he's not big league ready. That's why Arcia ended up getting the shortstop position. Um, but Grisham's Grisham's ceiling is is immense. So he's on the honorable mentions part of the list because I do think that there's a high probability that he could come back this year and be middle of the order. So. Uh, Jake McCarthy, speedster. That's basically all he can do. Um, I hope that he can take another step and start hitting, you know, at the big league level, like in a very serious way. Um, but right now he's basically near the end of the list, if not the end of the list, like the last couple of picks may squeeze him in. It's, it's hard to say. Um, Danny Jansen, he's on the uh, he, he's well, no, Danny Jansen is completely off the list. That's right. I it took I took him off the list. Danny Jansen, the injuries definitely got in the way. And if you break things down on a month to month basis last year, a lot of his numbers came in a very small sample size. So I don't know how believable they are. So between the injury risk, between the believability of the numbers, between the fact that he is a right handed hitting catcher, so he doesn't have base running going in his favor and he doesn't have handedness going in his favor. He's off the list. Um, Justin Turner jumped off the list and then jumped back on. Um, Ahmed Rosario moved into the honorable mentions part of the list because there's some, there's some signs that he's progressing and there's some signs that he's regressing. And I'm not sure what to believe yet because He's not a good shortstop defensively. He definitely can't play center field. We tried that experiment about a year ago. Not good. Not good. Um, but as a second baseman, it could work. If there's a decline, it won't work. If it's progress, oh, he's going to be really good. But that's why he's on the honorable mentions part. Elihuris, I think is how you say his name, Montero. I'm, I'm trying to... Say his name right. I think I've I've heard it pronounced a couple times. You're good. You're good. You're you're doing you're doing good. He's he's a he's kind of a, a very unique player. Um, at one point in the minors, he was going off. He was really hitting, and nonetheless, he was only seeing about three pitches per at bat. He swung that much, and yet was that successful. Um. The next year, they were kind of worried about whether that was going to play at the big league or you know at the higher levels. So he was like, "All right, I'm going to try being patient," and just upped his walk rate. This guy's a natural hitter, and he's playing in Colorado, so he's going to get at bats with that lineup, and he's in the perfect place uh, to kind of blossom as an aggressive power hitting uh, corner outfielder. I mean, he could play third, but 
I think they have him penciled for uh, right field or uh, maybe they'll move Blackman as a full-time, they'll make him a full-time DH, which would make sense at this point. Um, but he came up as a third baseman. So, you know, I, I don't think they're going to play him there given like McMahon, but uh, if McMahon falls off, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not out of play, if you will. Um, Brandon Marsh has cemented himself on the list. Florial has moved himself into the honorable mentions part of the list because he was put on, for all intents and purposes, waivers, from what I understand. He was designated for assignment, and no team in the big leagues went for him. That's a major red flag. Now, I've also seen him do things uh, throwing arm-wise that I've like never seen before or very few times I've ever seen before. He's also incredibly fast. He's left-handed. He, he has a great idea of the strike zone. He'll walk. Um, and if you miss in the wrong spot, he'll also take you yard. Um, everything he hits, he hits hard. So if he hits it into play, uh, he's usually successful. Um, the issues, he's probably not going to hit lefties and he has an elevated strikeout rate, but that's it. So in my assessment, I'm like, if I'm a team, I would just play him every day in center field. And just like, if I, you know, if you're the Royals or if, if you're the, the the Reds or, you know, if you're one of those teams that you know you're going to finish in last, Oakland, you know, you go get him and you stick him in the outfield. You let him play through any of the struggles. Um, so big red flags that uh, nobody was really uh, interested. That being said, uh, he is, uh, by my assessment, a guy who – if he develops, if he adjusts at all, if he just hits righties league average, you're looking at a very good player, like a top 100 position player. So it kind of boggles my mind. Um, we have, uh, let's see, is he off the list? I think I took. Which one? I, I'm trying to see. Did I take Kiermaier off the list? I think I Kiermaier, did. Kiermaier, I think you did. Yeah. Yeah, I took Kiermaier off the list. Um, doubts with health. Serious doubts with health. Doubts with hitting. Mm. Um, specifically hitting for average or power. He's going to walk. Um, but he is left-handed. And he plays a great center field. But I, I don't think... There's so many guys who are like left-handed who play a great center field who are not going to hit. Like Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm not going to put Jackie on here. JBJ is not worthy of the list anymore he's a great defender great base runner but if that's essentially what Kiermaier is at this point um completely comfortable taking him off the list um Jorge Mateo um I've always thought of him as a guy who he's very fast and his swing will enable him to hit the ball hard at minimum this is his second full season um Mateo like I said Mateo's been a guy who the speed has been shocking in mm -hmm. any sort of level of hitting you got to buy into. Well, this year he took it from any sort of level of hitting to an actual hitting profile. I don't know how long this is going to last, but all of the expected statistics are lighting up like a Christmas tree. Um, and with his speed and the fact that he's, you know, an elite defensive shortstop, we could be looking at if, if, if this offense is real, he's one of the five best players in the sport. I don't think the offense is real, but if it is, like I said, he's one of the five best players in the sport. I think you're probably looking at a guy who's closer to 
the 130th best position player in the sport, but that still makes the list. You know, it's majors and minors top 200. So he's officially on it because the ability to hit for power was always in him. The question was, you know, is he going to have a good enough eye at the plate to get to it? Mm -hmm. Because he was very, very aggressive. Um, And, you know, initially he was just not hitting the ball at all. One of the worst expected statistics profiles in the major leagues. That's why there's a little bit of hesitance here because, you know, we're, we're what, 10 games in the year or something like that. But nonetheless, it's 10 games of all of what he's doing. Every time he's putting balls uh, into play at the plate, all of his at-bats, everything, it's all backed up by every expected statistic that we have. Like I said, he's lighting it up like a Christmas tree where all the lights were out and all of them are going off right now. Um, And I think, you know, any sort of level of offense with that profile, I mean, goodness gracious. He could steal 40 bases this year, and it would you could do it in his sleep. I think he could steal 70, and it would be like, okay, with his speed and how much he runs, that makes sense. Th- that type of profile, if there's any offense with 40 to 70 stolen base speed, I, I don't even need to say anything there. Um, so uh, uh, Josh Smith, uh, I moved him from corner outfield to second base. He's on the list still. Uh, Christian Yelich, I ended up putting on the list as a DH. He hits every ball into the ground, but similar to Longoria, even through this decline, he should still produce enough, at least this year, uh, between base running and between, you know, he, he's going to hit uh, righties more than, than lefties. The shift's going away. So he's a guy who hits the ball a lot on the ground, so maybe that's going to help him out with his speed. Point is, is he's going to be on the list just for this season, similar to Longoria, similar to Nimmo. Um, Josh Naylor is officially on the list. I have him as a DH. Just let him focus on on uh, hitting, you know. Um, Brian Reynolds crept onto the list. Um, we're starting to see what lineup protection could really do for him. He was on the honorable mentions part of the list before, which is why you guys haven't heard me talk about him. Um Max Kepler is completely off the list. Um, there was really one statistic that I was really all about with regards to, you know, his potential uh, coming around. He had and has had for a while. Uh, he's been underperforming his expected uh, WOBA. But if you look at his profile, a lot of a lot of his values from walks. It's not like he's putting up insane expected batting averages or ex- insane expected slugging percentages. Both of those are fairly ordinary. And then I started to look at the defense. Well, his OAA say, says he's an elite outfielder defensively. However, if you break that down, he's exceptionally average in center field. And he's elite in right field. He doesn't have the offensive profile for right field. You can go out and get guys who are much better fits for right field, as in they can hit more. And if you move them to center field, you can get guys who can defend at such a higher level that even if they're hitting slightly worse, they're a better player. So he's kind of caught in between. Um, I think it's going to take some serious adjustments to his offensive profile uh, to put him on here because he's going to start, he's going to have to start hitting at least like an average right fielder. His defense will, you know, lift the profile, but he's going to need to at least slug 435. And I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. Um, Oscar Gonzalez, he's officially on the list. Um, 
I like guys who swing at everything and somehow still make contact. Similar to Montero, he's on the list. Um, Lourdes Gurriel, he's kind of he's in that you know honorable mentions purgatory level. He moved from the regular part of the list to there. Um, I do have some concerns um, about his ability to hit righties, but he should hit for a high enough batting average and. He's at a point of development in his career where if he turns the corner, some really, really awesome years could be, you know, right around the corner. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, Oswaldo Cabrera, I realized that um, there is a very clear decline between when he got to from the low minors to the high minors, and then they moved him very quickly from the high minors to the big leagues. I think he's going to have to go through some serious development at the big league level um, before he keeps giving – the Yankees what well before he give before he continues to give the Yankees what he had been giving them if he's going to bring that back there needs to be development um so he's completely off the list um Harry Ford catcher uh, Seattle Mariners very athletic um he went from the honorable mentions part of the list onto the list got to see him in person in the WBC and he insanely impressed me against team USA um, for a guy as young as he is, who's a catcher and as good of a base runner, he's on the list. Uh, Travis Swaggerty. Sometimes a guy looks really, really good, and it's like, oh, has he turned the corner? Because um, he had really good spring training. No, I don't think he's turned the corner. I think that I got a little bit excited because he was a top draft pick and a very well-rounded player who could play center field, run the bases, had a good throwing arm. I don't think that the power is there. He's similar to Florial in that, like, he was moved fairly quickly and the development was kind of stunted and things got in his way. Um, but Florial has infinite amounts of defensive skill on him and infinite amounts of power on him. So um, I, I, I have to take Swaggerty off the list. There are guys who have much higher uh, probabilities of being a producer uh, than him. He's going to have to find a way to hit for power and he's going to have to find a way to do it in his late 20s in AAA. So that's massive red flags. Um, Kiber Ruiz, uh, he's called Kiebert. No, Kiber Ruiz, uh, Washington National switch hitting catcher. He is on the honorable mentions part of the list. It's mainly because of expected statistics, but catchers mature late. He is a left handed catcher. Or, well, mainly left-handed, he's switch hitting. Uh, but because he's able to hit left-handed most of the time, um, he is going to have a much easier time with the shift going away. And because of that, I think there's a possibility that with that comfortability comes more power because he does have a grooved swing, and he is fairly built. He's young enough where it could come. Um, most catchers tend to develop later than other players. So he's young enough where he's got time. He's got a great eye at the plate. He's got a great contact skill. I think it is possible that, you know, once he gets closer to 27, big power comes in and he becomes a great catcher. But right now, the expected statistics don't look good. The bat speed is slow. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to see. Um, we got Alex Ramirez from the Mets system, five-tool talent. Um, he jumped onto the outfield list just because of the potential. There was a scouting report that I thought was one of the funniest scouting reports that I ever read of him that said that there was concerns about his ability to hit for power moving forward, his, his body to develop, uh, you know, as far as in a way that would allow him to hit for power. 
And they said they were worried because he has no, and I'm you know, going to use different words so we don't get in trouble for cussing, but because he has no butt. <laughs> they said that he couldn't hit me. There's a, there's a likelihood that there's some risk with regards to hitting for power because he doesn't have a butt. He doesn't have butt muscles. So I, read that how you will. Uh, very interesting scouting report. Very interesting choice of words. Um, but he is on the list. He's got a fantastic swing. He's very athletic. I could see him put on more muscle, even if it's not really in the lower body. In the upper body, he could get built. And he's coordinated, so he could really use that in his advantage. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, completely off the list. I think he's cooked. I hope he has one last good season in Pittsburgh, where it all started. And it looks like some of his uh, foot speed is back. I just don't think he's going to hit anyone but lefties. So he's completely off the list. Um, Brendan Donovan. Right now, he's still polished enough and can do enough different skills similar to McNeil. Uh, except more like, you know, a, a weaker version of McNeil from like a year ago, like a, like kind of a middle ground, uh, poor man's McNeil. Um, you know, he's going to bat 270. He's not going to bat 310, you know, uh, but not very much power and lots of on base percentage. Plus he can play similar positions to McNeil um, because he's at that point where the league still hasn't completely figured him out. He's going to be on this list just for this year at second base. Um you know, it was interesting because I knew he came up last year and I was like, oh, well, the league's not going to know him. So he's going to have a good year, which he did. But it is looking like his profile is the type of profile where it could have value into the second year. Because I still think that there's a, a, a plethora of teams that don't know him. And now that we have interleague all year where every team is playing every team, regardless of league, there's going to be a lot of people that don't know him that he goes up against regularly this year. So I think while the league still doesn't get him, I think he's still going to have a good year, especially because he's a lefty, no shift. Um, lastly, uh, Jacob Berry ended up moving from the DH part of the list onto the honorable mentions part of the list. I need to see him hit in double A. A lot of these guys coming out of college, very polished. Like Aaron Sabato, for instance, I really like Sabato. He has not found a way to hit double A. So I need to see the same thing with Jacob Berry, given that he's only offense first and he came out of the draft. It's very hard for a player to just be offense first and be like a complete sure, you know, sure fit, even though you have no other skills outside of the fact that Barry is a switch hitter, which is part of the reason why I felt even more comfortable with actually having him on the honorable mentions and not moving him off entirely. Because he's a switch hitter with average and power if things work out, both average and power. Um, so that's a big deal if it works out. Um, we have... Jose Trevino has moved from on the list to off the list. He was one of those guys, similar to McCarthy, who's really just riding the line. And he's riding the line because he is an unbelievable pitch framer. And if he does anything close to what he did last year with regards to pitch framing, you are looking at like at least a two-war player, which would end up being like one of the more valuable catchers in baseball. However... I'm not really, I don't really believe pitch framing can get you more uh, uh, value than like, say, Ahmed Rosario's well-rounded game. I don't really believe in that. Um, but if we're going by professional evaluations about how valuable pitch framing is, 
Trevino should be on the list. By my valuations, he shouldn't. So since this is my list, he's not going to be on the list. Um, lastly, Alec Bohm, he did so well versus lefties last year um, and proved that he can play third that I think this year, I think this year he's going to be able to trade some of that hitting left-handed to hit a little bit better versus righties. And he's young enough where I think that that transition is going to happen. He doesn't have issues making contact. He's a line drive hitter from the left side, which I think is very, it's a very good thing to be um, right now uh, with the, uh, or no, is he from the right side? No, he's from the right side. Sorry. He, 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 he really, really, really hits line drives all the time, which is a really good thing. Um, actually in this era in general, it's a really good thing to hit line drives and the shift going. Especially as if you're a lefty, but he's a righty. Um, now, he's a righty that ends up absolutely toasting lefties. But like I said, I think what's going to go on is I think the ability to hit lefties with his age and his line drive ability, the fact that he's great at making contact, has hit every level through the minors. I think he's going to end up hitting righties as well. And I think there's going to be power that comes with that. Because um, if you're hitting both, you're going to work the count. You're going to do what you can to, to drive the ball. He's a natural hitter. So I think that Alec Bohm is very, very clearly going to jump onto this list. There's a possibility that he ends up going over to the first base, given the fact that Hoskins is done uh, for the year. I think Stott could go over to third. I think you have Trey Turner at short. I think you could put Harrison over at second. I think that would give them a lot of speed. I think that would give them a, an insane amount of speed. Um, and then Josh Young. Josh Young ended up jumping onto the list. For a similar reason to Volpe. I don't really like the swing with both of them. But they're both very high probability guys who are going to walk and hit 20 homers a year. And play the positions that they play decently. Um, so those are all guys that jumped onto or off of the list. Um, I also decided that I would take all of the guys who I liked from the upcoming draft. And instead of keep them on the regular list move them into the honorable mentions part of the list because it's one thing to produce great in high school and college. There's a big leap into producing in the minors. And there've been some guys that I really liked coming out of the draft um, who ended up becoming nothing. Like I said, like Aaron Sabato. So, all right, without further ado, we're just going to list off the honorable mentions. Dylan Cruz. He's going to be in the draft. They, <laughs> I read it earlier today that they call him, the Mike Trout of college baseball, which is kind of a joke because you can't compare, you can't compare anyone to Mike Trout. Like, sorry, you can't compare anyone to Mike Trout. Um, so he is showing up on the list. I think I talked to you about him last time around because he was on the regular part of the list. You did. He's as big as a person can get. Same thing with Colton Ledbetter. Talked about him on one of the earlier renditions. Same thing with Dylan Cup. Talked about him on one of the earlier renditions. Um, when I say renditions, I mean like, you know, episodes of the list, you know. Um, Dylan Cup, Max Clark, uh, Matt Shaw, um, uh, Murakami, you know, NPB. Um, I talked about all of those guys. Those guys were the guys from the draft or internationally, in Murakami's case, uh, that moved on to the honorable mentions part of the list. I'm pretty sure when we see all of them in professional ball that they all will jump on, but it's a big leap. It's a big leap. We saw how things were for Tsutsugo. Things have been difficult for, say, a Suzuki. Um, 
it's it's a tough leap. It's a very tough leap. Um, Gavin Lux, outside of the very end of last season, Gavin Lux actually had a very good year. However, for the type of profile that he is, he should be producing for more power than he currently does. Um, but he has a good eye. He has an interesting swing. They were going to play him at shortstop this year, which was a really bad idea. Um, I think the best thing you could do for Gavin Lux is put him in a corner outfield spot, hide his defense with you know two guys who can really run, get him a platoon partner, put him in a spot in the lineup where his natural uh, contact ability will play and his natural eye will play, like maybe bat him lead off. That'd be probably a really good idea. Get him some pitches to hit in the first inning where he can be aggressive with nobody on base, nothing to think about but hitting. Um, I think he could really you know, show some potential there. But uh, currently, um, given the injury, he's out for the entire season. Um, it's, it's a really ugly injury. You got, you look it up. It, he was going from second to third, and it was just – he stepped the wrong way. And it's ah, it was ugly. It was ugly. Um, but if he can come out, uh, out of this, he, he's – He's young enough where if he can play shortstop and if you put him in those types of positions, you know, if he can play short, that's insane. Uh, However, like I said, I think the best thing you could do is just let him focus on the bat, put him in a platoon, hide him in a corner outfield spot and put him in the right spot in the lineup. But, you know, that's the safe way to go about it. The risky way of going about it is just put him at shortstop. Um, And you could get a boomer bust situation there where he could like be nothing. If you do that with him, or he could be like a multi-time all-star. Um, so right now he's kind of in the honorable mentions part of the list. I also need to see how he's going to come back post injury. So he's kind of in a holding pattern, at least for the next you know year and a half, maybe, you know, we need to see him come back next year. So um, Noel V. Marte, he was on the list for a bit. There's a bit of concern with regards to him hitting velocity from the right side. Not, not from the right side of the plate. He is already from the, from the, right side of the mound. Um, he has a beautiful swing. You know, he put on a ton of muscle last year. He's got a good eye of the strike zone. Um, in the Arizona Fall League, he just looked tired. And I think that that was because he spent the whole year just pushing, um, you know, using these new muscles to the max. I think he was tired. I think he was just tired. Um, seeing what he could do in double A, For a full season, I think, gives everyone a really good idea of what he is. He's not a shortstop. He's either a second baseman or he's a third baseman, depending on how things work. Um, But the potential is for him to be a star. The lower end side of it is that he's a lower – he's a – I'm going to face lefties, the few lefties in the league, while you face righties, the low side of a platoon, the side of the platoon that doesn't really get much playing time. Um, Garrett Mitchell. I have severe concerns about his uh, swing, about uh, how much he swings and misses, um, about his susceptibility to certain sequences of pitches. He's got great straight line speed. He hits the ball very, very hard. and He's been doing fantastic for the Brewers. But I wonder how long it will last with his severe deficiencies. Like if he could just change his swing mechanics, you know, maybe things would be better for him with his, with what his weaknesses are, but he's with the Brewers. The Brewers weren't able to trick to change uh, Christian Yelich's swing mechanics, which sadly, and perhaps, you know, are dangerously similar. Um, So to have both on the same team, 
teams that they've been on for the last what 10 years, at least what Yelich has been on for the last like 10 years or whatever. He's been on their team for a while now. The fact that they couldn't correct Yelich's swing gives me very little confidence that they'll be able to correct Garrett's swing. Um, but Garrett Mitchell is a good center fielder. He's very fast. He's physical. He's got a good idea of the strike zone, and he's left-handed. So if there is somehow a swing change, you could be unlocking some big things. And I think what he's doing right now is just not going to last. But if he makes those swing changes, everything changes. Everything changes. He'll hit for power, and he'll have that center field skill set from the left side of the plate, getting on base, running the bases. But if he doesn't change those things, he's not going to hit. And, you know, the speed in that case wouldn't play enough on its own, and the defense would be workable, but you'd probably be putting him in a platoon given that he's a lefty and won't hit lefties. So there's some risk here, but, you know, even at, at, at minimum, he's still a platoon bat. So um, there's at least a little bit of value to a playoff team, but there's, there is risk that he's going to end up, you know, going the case of like Drew Staubs, where you have a guy who's very fast, but the speed is straight line. A guy who's, you know, a, a good center fielder but strikes out way too much and maybe he gets hurt a little bit too much. I hope that that's not a thing with the injuries. But we could be seeing a very similar player where the uh, the physicality is not enough. Um, and we have Jared Walsh. Um, he played through a lot of injury last year, and I'm very curious about seeing what he could be coming out of injury. I don't think he's ever going to hit lefties. If he's 20% above league average versus righties, which could be a thing, 10 to 20%, and you put him in a platoon, that can work because he's a tremendous defender at first base. Um, I hope that at least holds because he was. Um, and he's athletic for a first baseman. I think that if you can ease him back into that everyday role, eventually he may be able to hit righties and lefties. But at minimum, you're looking at a guy who if you have offense elsewhere on your team, you, you just need another left-handed bat who can hit enough, and you don't have a first baseman, then he's a great fit on a World Series-level team. But you'd have to have the other things that he doesn't quite give you. You know, he's not going to hit righties and lefties, at least not this year. Um, so you'd have to have guys who do that, who hit righties and lefties elsewhere. Um, corner outfield, third base, DH. Um, but in the right fit, he, he, he is a World Series-level first baseman in the right fit um assuming he's able to come back from his injury and be anything close to what he was before he's a very polished based player you know he's not a very toolsy profile but he has a good swing he's changed his swing mechanics to optimize them he did that a few years ago he's absolutely toasted righties when he's been healthy um the injury that he had saps power for a little bit he's athletic he's young enough um, we could be looking at a similar situation to Christian Walker here, but with significantly less power, but from the left side of the plate, a guy who's a, a late bloomer comes up to the big leagues at an older age and is polished and ends up finding a way to get that polish to play at a higher level. For instance, Walker changed his swing and put on about 15 pounds of muscle onto a frame that was already packed of muscle. Walsh changed his swing. I have not seen the change in his body that we saw with Walker. That's why Walker hits for more power. But Walsh is a lefty, and Walker's not. So that's why I kind of compare them a little bit. Um, but if he can't recover from the shoulder, then he may not even be a big leaguer. That's why he's on the honorable mentions. Because um, the bar for a first baseman does exist. 
it's not so low that it, you know, um, Owen Casey, I think I mentioned him a minute ago. He went on to the honorable mentions part. I uh, need to see him in double a. Another thing was apparently last year was the first time he played night games. So it's going to be interesting a year in with him, you know, playing more night games than he ever has, uh, how that adjustment will be, especially given the fact that it's likely going to be in double a, if he aces this assignment in night games and in double a, this guy's going to be an impact big leaguer, but there's significant risk. There's significant risk. He didn't come from the U S leagues. He came from Canada. So that's where he was drafted out. He was drafted out of Canada. Um, he was, I mean, he was a great hitter, great swing mechanics, but, um, or at least coming into the draft and he's really good at hitting the low ball, at least, you know, from the highlights that we've seen, my worry with him is his levers getting to the high fastball. Um, but we'll see, we'll see double a will prove that. Um, I also mentioned her Geraldo Perdomo, how, uh, he changed his swing mechanics in order to add more lift. Um, how, you know, he was rushed, um, and having watched him, I'm a believer. Um, I also talked very briefly about Ahmed Rosario. Uh, he's on the honorable mentions part of the list. I talked very briefly about Loretis Guriel. He's on the honorable mentions part of the list. I talked briefly about McNeil. He's also riding the edge of the list. Um, Jose Siri. He is the type of guy where I don't know how great he is as a clubhouse force, but he gets underneath other teams' skin. He's a very, very good defender for what it's worth. The OAA bears that out. The risk, and this is why he's on the honorable mentions part of the list, he has hit at levels in the minors. Whenever he repeats a level at the minors, he doesn't hit. And, you know, he's repeating levels at the big leagues now multiple times. And this is a guy who has an insane amount of tools. He's insanely strong. He's insanely fast. He's got a great throwing arm. If he gets into one, he can hit it 440 feet. The worry is, is he going to be able to get into one? Is he going to be able to hit enough? If he can find a way to make that transition, you're looking at a very good player. Even if he can't make that transition, he'll probably show up right around league average versus lefties. And what the Rays are, are using him for is to replace Kiermaier. He's not there to hit. He's there to replace the, the offense or the, the defensive profile that Kiermaier gave them. Kiermaier is one of the best defensive outfielders in the sport. They didn't want to move Margot out of a corner outfield spot because he's insane over there. He could play a great center field, but they wanted to have multiple spots in the outfield as the elite defenders because they have to hide a Rosa Reina's terrible defense. So um, as, as far as Siri goes, if he can just hit anywhere near league average with his defense, there is a possibility of a place for him on the list. If he's able to really transition, you know, what he hit, in, you know, in the minors, the first time he goes through leagues, you know, instead, instead of when the league adapts, if he's able to hit anything close to that, you're looking at a great player, but um the real reason he's on here is because of speed, because of defense, because his attitude gets underneath other teams' skin, and because he does have moments where you see the power, you see the speed. He, make, he doesn't make the best base running decisions. He doesn't make the best swing decisions. But you are looking at a physical specimen who at minimum is going to play really great defense, shouldn't really get hurt in theory, because he's hurt right now. So, you know, but in theory, he shouldn't stay hurt. Um, he's a very, very good base runner. So. The risk is hitting. He may not hit, but he has health, defense, base running, and emotional advantages uh, over other teams, and those are not nothing for a center fielder. 
Um, so he's on the honorable mentions part of the list. Josh Lowe. You know, he's a guy who hit at the high le- high levels of the minors, but he also struck out a lot at the high levels of the minors. But that's a lot more of an okay thing to do with the big leagues, and it's also a lot more of an okay thing to do if you're on a team like Tampa Bay. They're, they're, you know, swing and miss as much as you want if you're going to produce. Um, he was a top prospect, very toolsy, um, and he's going to need to hit to be a big leaguer. But so far, we're seeing the changes that we needed to see for him to hit at the big leagues. Um, it's a very small sample size for a guy who does work the count and strike out a lot. So similar to McNeil and similar to, to, to Trevino, um, we're looking at a guy who's literally riding the edge of the list. Um, but if things work out, you are looking at a, a very well-rounded outfielder, walks, hits for power, uh, successful on balls they hit and play, can run the bases, is left-handed, not likely to get hurt. Um, the strikeouts are the big thing. If he can find a way to deal with the strikeouts or make them manageable, you're looking at a very good player. But like I said, the strikeouts are, are a, a massive red flag, and that's keeping him off the list. Um, I talked about Elihuras Montero. Um, I talked about Vaughn Grisham very briefly. I talked about Kiber Ruiz. I talked about Kevin Kiermeyer. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I thought I thought Kiermaier was on at least the honorable mentions part of the list. You know, being left-handed and and having uh, that level of uh, defense and base running, uh, even with the injury risks. You know, he he gets he gets hurt a lot, and even with the lack of power. Um, yeah, because I, I was gonna like really be like, why did I take him completely off the list? I didn't. He's on the honorable mentions. There he is. Um, so yeah, he's he's got those factors going for him. He also shows up in big games. That's another thing I forgot to mention. Uh, talked about Jake Fraley, about how he's got that great eye and it looks like swing changes are going on. He's playing for, for he's playing for Cincinnati, so he's getting no lineup protection at all. So, um, like I said, he's probably best used in in a, in a ballpark that's in his favor, in a lineup with protection, and in a platoon batting seventh. But if, if you're doing that with him, he could be like a guy who gets 400 at bats, meaning a regular player for a championship team, but you have to have all those factors going in his favor. And I'd need to see a, a bit more of him producing um, to see whether it's just him taking advantage of working the count too deep. And then that's going to go into the strikeouts. But so far with the swing mechanics and the progression, we're, we're seeing a lot of green flags. We're seeing a lot of good signs. Um, but like I said, I need to see a lot more from him. So that's why he's in the honorable mentions part of the list. And this is why we look at the players. We spend, the, the, the first week of the season, getting visual evaluations of these guys because a person could have changed their body, which it looks like Fraley did in the offseason, and it also a person could change their swing, which it also looks like he did. He's, he's, he's with Cincinnati the whole year, so whatever he does, you know, it's minus lineup protection. It's minus being in a platoon, at least I, I think. Um, I mean, who knows? Cincinnati really doesn't have much going for them. Um but, you know, he is a guy, excuse me, who uh, this year is going to be able to tell us a lot about him. And that's why he's in the honorable mentions part, because a lot of things look good. A lot of things look good. But it's early. It's early. Uh, I talked about Austin Wells going on to the honorable mentions part of the list. It's it's all about a doubt of him being able to stay a catcher. I, I, it's completely divided uh, industry experts. It's 
50% of the industry is like adamant. He's never going to play catcher. Like I can't imagine him playing catcher. The other 50% is like, well, I see him. He's getting, he keeps getting better every year. And like, even though he's not like the best at throwing guys out, his throwing arm has been getting better every year. His caught stealing percentages have been getting better every year. He's starting to be really good at blocking and framing pitches. Framing's going to go away, so the blocking's going to get better. He's already good at blocking pitches. So really, it's just the throwing arm. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the industry opinion is that a lot of people don't think that he's going to be able to do it at all. Um, which, you know, if he if he's not a catcher, he's got some reasons to not even be on the honorable mentions. I mean, he's got an argument at least to not be on the honorable mentions doesn't mean that he shouldn't be, but there's an argument. There's an argument, but if he does stay at catcher, I look like a fool for putting him on the honorable mentions. If he stays at catcher, he's jumping straight onto the list and high up. So it's kind of a, it's a weird situation. The Yankees have liked him for multiple drafts. They've tried to go get him for multiple drafts. That's how much and how long the Yankees have liked him. So if you're looking at, you know, any sort of scouting, you know, or, or coaching type stuff that is an indicator about whether he's going to work his way into being a catcher, um, there you go. An organization that's one of the best analytical scouting organizations out there is committed to keeping him at catcher. Like there was no thought about moving him off of catcher. He was a catcher drafted. He's still a catcher. Um, so it'll be interesting seeing what's go what goes on because he's either a guy who may not even make the list or he's one of the best, depending on if he stays at catcher. Um, I talked about Florial. I talked about Jake Barry, Jacob Barry. Um, another guy who I want to mention who's literally riding the edge. There's a few guys that I mentioned here that are literally riding the edge of the honorable mentions. One of them is Josh Rojas of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He can play left field, probably could play right field. He can play left field. He can play second base. He can play third base. I'd reckon he can play first, but he's not exactly big enough to be your typical first baseman. He runs the bases well. He takes advantage of stealing bases, even though he's not as fast as most base stealers. Uh, Left-handed hitter at the plate. He's got a good eye. He'll take his walks when needed. Um, Probably going to be best used in a platoon. However... The reason why he's on the honorable mentions is not because he's got all of those different skills, right? You know, it's very similar to Donovan or McNeil with, with that type of profile skill-wise, moving around those similar positions, being a good base runner, having a good eye at the plate, you know, right? However, at the lower levels of the minors, and I think at one point in A, he had like a year to a year and a half where he did things offensively that people don't do in the minors, like across the board, didn't strike out, walked a ton, power in play, power out of play, like insane numbers. Now he only did that like for that year and a half. And since then he's been good, but he hasn't been anything close to that. Of course, since then he's played, you know, one year at this level and one year at this, they they progressed him, you know? So I'm curious about what it's going to be like now that he's had like a full couple years of big league at bats, is there an ability to tap into more power there? He's always had a grooved swing, you know, he, whatever power that he gets to is the power that he'll hit for because of his grooved swing. Um, but you know, he could end up being a guy who similarly is just a super utility guy, just a, a decent super utility guy, or you're looking at a very, very good second baseman. 
So that's why he's on the honorable mentions part of the list. So that's the honorable mentions part of the list. I'm going to be publishing the entire list on my site within the next two weeks, I think, because I've got a few other things to update. So, um, you know, if you guys want to just go back over the list, definitely check out our previous recordings. Um, lastly, now that we've gone over the list, you know, now that you all have that, I wanted to talk about very briefly, because, you know, we're going to be doing uh, podcasts on all sorts of different subjects throughout the year. I'm definitely going to keep you guys in the loop with who gets on the list and who comes off the list, but we're going to give you some content on Star Wars, on Marvel, and on all sorts of different stuff. Um, I did want to, however, touch on one last thing, baseball-wise. I wanted to talk about, I wanted to touch on the playoff teams, the contending teams in each league, since, you know, this is the list for the year. This is this is the preseason list. This is, you know, the the projected list. You know, for all intents and purposes, there's definitely going to be changes as the year goes on. However, this is the list of opening day. I mean, if, if you're if this is what you do, you never stop, you know, working on your list. It's not like, you know, it's not like you take a whole season off. I'm going to take about two months off because I haven't, you know, maybe three months off because I, I haven't taken any time off in the last two years, last full season and a little bit longer than that, you know, on each end. Um, but, you know, this is something that is a constant work. So everyone likes, in order for them to understand predictability, for there to be a list before the year for you to compare to who did well when the year is over to see, you know, the level of accuracy of the person putting out the list. So the reason why we're doing this list and then kind of moving on to other subjects is this is the before the year list. This is the official one. This is the deadline. This is it. Boom. It's there. I'm still going to be working on it as the year goes on, but this is it. If you're going to see how predictive what, you know, we do here is you compare this, which we just put out here, to what it's going to be like at the end of the year, what what the best of the position players are at the end of the season. And similarly, I want to give you guys the playoff teams and the teams that are in contention. So first, let's talk about the teams that are going to be in contention. We'll go over, these are the obvious ones, the obvious ones. Yankees, duh. Jays, duh. Astros, duh. You know, everybody, come on, you know? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, Braves, Mets, I mean, these are obvious, you know, Cardinals. I, I mean, I, I'd like to think that the Cardinals, it's obvious they're going to win their division, but the Cardinals, yeah, Cardinals, uh, Dodgers, Padres. Again, these aren't really shocking things. So if you have the Mets and the Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres, that's five of the six playoff teams in the entire National League. I think those are those are picks that anyone would pick. Padres are easily going to make the playoffs. They got Soto, they got Tatis, they got Machado. I mean, come on, come on, Bogarts. Um, now Kim's coming around. They have a great squad. Uh, the Dodgers, Betts, Smith, Turner, and then you got guys like Outman who are coming into their own. You got Miguel Vargas who's coming into his own. You know, it, they have a well-rounded team, uh, David Peralta, you know, well-rounded veteran, defense, offense, left-handed, power, contact. Um, what the 
the Dodgers look like for the first time that I've seen in years is a team that's not dependent on just power, you know, star power, offense, craziness, you know, it's very well-rounded. You got the youth, you got the veterans, you got lefties, you got righties, you got aggression, you got patience, and you got the middle of the order where one's a lefty surrounded by two righties. Um, so it's cool to see that the Dodgers are kind of balancing out their roster instead of, you know, trying the same old, same old that they've been doing since 2011. You know, if you're going to be winning your division that much, and you only have a half of a year World Series to show for it, you know, 60 game season 2020, you know, you got to start changing some things. So, um, you know, Dodgers are very clearly going to be in there. Um, Mets and Braves, I don't even need to say anything. You know, the Mets dumped half a billion dollars this offseason. Uh, getting some of the best pitching in the sport. They have a very well-rounded offense, lefties, righties, you know, good base running, middle of the order. And they also got guys like Beatty and Alvarez and Mauricio who are top prospects, top, top prospects who are going to be coming up and filling their weaknesses mid-year. So they have a good team without them. They have a great team with them. Um, and the Braves, the Braves are the Braves. I, I, it's very clear they're going to be in the playoffs. I, no, I don't think anyone can like think and be like, okay, when are they not going to be in the playoffs? They have a very well-rounded team. They don't really have a lot of holes. You could say, oh, well, maybe they need to get a couple of guys so that instead of having a, a one through seven lineup, they have a one through nine lineup or a one through six lineup, they have a one through nine lineup. But like, that's it. They have a great bullpen. They have a great rotation. There's no injury risk, at least, you know, for the most part. With either of those things, they have the middle of the order. They have base running. They they're in a fantastic position. However, the last two spots, the Cardinals are clearly going to win their division. They got Walker at the big league level. They brought in Contreras. It's adding two middle of the order bats. Plus, they in the in you know midseason they got um, Montgomery and Jack Flaherty's back. So their pitching should you know get a big boost as well. Um, Cardinals clearly take that division. Which means you have the Brewers, you have the Phillies, and you have the Diamondbacks as, as the teams that are contending for the last playoff spot. Now, the Phillies, they are in a very interesting spot because I don't think they have enough pitching, bullpen or rotation. Hoskins is hurt. Alec Bohm is transitioning his ability to hit lefties, to hit lefties and righties. You have... Stott, Bryson Stott, who had some of the worst numbers versus the fastball of anyone in the big leagues last year. Um, you have Josh Harrison, who's probably going to end up playing every day. And, you know, he's fine if you put him in like the eight or nine spot. Um, they have Brandon Marsh, who does look like he's going to grow into his own. He's also a very young player. They have Kyle Schwarber, who's great. They have Trey Turner, who's great. They have Real Muto, who's great. And they have Castellanos, who's great, as well as Harper coming along late season. But is it going to be enough when half the lineup is not going to hit until Harper's back? Half the lineup. Um, and that's a big thing for me. Uh, having a one through nine lineup means more now than it ever has. Because a lot of teams, they'll stack their best hitters up top and then they'll put their worst hitters back to back to back to back. And pitchers can get into a groove. I don't believe that it's the right way to structure a lineup to just put all of your best hitters at the top and all the worst at the bottom. I think that you should space things out so that the worst are complemented by the best. And we could talk about lineup dynamics for days, but um, the Phillies are mainly going to be a factor because the top two pitchers in their rotation and because they have a lot of star power. Do they have 
great base running? No. They have great defense? No. Do they have some severe risks with half of the lineup? Yes. Do they have a very, very top-heavy rotation and bullpen? Yes. Um, and because of that, the Diamondbacks and Brewers both stand a chance there. The Brewers have Corbin Burns, Peralta, and Woodruff. And they have a good rotation. They have a good rotation. And the lineup has guys like Yelich in it, even though he's, like I said, in that kind of decline. Um, it has Willie Adamas, who's fantastic. Willie Adamas is fantastic. I love Willie Adamas. Power hitting shortstop. Uh, great clubhouse guy. Um, but outside that, the Brewers are kind of dependent on these four rookies. Bryce Terang, who I like, but you know, I don't I don't believe in really depending on rookies. I think it's a bad idea, but I like Bryce Terang. At minimum, he's a good platoon shortstop. But I, I he actually not a lot of people know this, but he had some of the best hard hit numbers in all the minor leagues last year. Um, and that's why I think he's kind of sneaking up on people, but he's on the list. He's been on our list, um, which, you know, makes me feel super good about that. The fact that he's kind of sneaking up on people and like not on me, you know, uh, but Bryce Terang, uh, Garrett Mitchell, who I, I talked about the severe concerns with his profile, Joey Weimer, who I also talked about the severe concerns with his profile when, Midway, when we were doing the outfield list, I talked about how he's got insane amounts of power and he's got insane amounts of speed. And he's got insane amounts of throwing arm, but he swings and misses so much. And he's a righty that there might be some severe growing pains there for both him and Mitchell. Um, Sal Freelich, I think, hits to some degree uh, right away, similar to uh, Terang. But if you're depending on like, an aging Yelich who's more about getting on base than driving guys in. And Willie Adamas, who's like in his prime, but like, okay, there's a, there's a middle of the order hitter. And then you're dependent on four rookies, two of which have likely some severe growing pains ahead of them. It's a very risky, risky group. If everything pans out, it's amazing. Likelihood it's not going to. Um, I actually think that the Phillies have a much better chance than the Brewers. Uh, given you know Trey Turner, Real Muto, Castellanos, Harper, Schwarber, you, you get what I'm saying. Um, the real threat to the Phillies seems to be the Diamondbacks, who are by far and away the best base running team in the major leagues this year. They have a one through nine lineup. They have veterans. They have youth. They have power. They have defense. Um, I was worried about their pitching. However. They have, uh, I don't know how to say his name the right way. It, it looks like it's pronounced fat. Brandon Fat. It's like P-F-A-A-T. So I'm like, okay, Brandon Fat. He's ranked as the third best pitching prospect in all the major leagues. Dre Jameson, who is midway through the top 100 prospects, he looks like an ace. I haven't seen someone pitch like pitch like him at his age, you know, or his, type, his body type. Like, he snuck up on me. He's insane. Um, so if he's an ace and you have Brandon fat, who uh, maybe he's a two starter or something like that, he's look, if you're ranked the third best pitcher in the minors, you're probably an ace. So if you have Dre Jamison and you have Brandon fat, you have both of those guys, you have Zach gallon, you have Merrill Kelly, who went like 200 innings last year of a 3.3. I think it was ERA. All of the analytics backed it up. So that ERA is real. That is four starters. You know, they have Nelson, who might end up being the five-starter, or maybe it's going to be Zach Davies. 
uh, or maybe it'll be Madison Bumgarner, but whichever one it is, the other two are going to go to the pen. Um, now, Diamondbacks don't have the best pen, which means mid-year they'll probably have to trade for some pen pieces. But assuming that the Diamondbacks do, there's not a weakness on the team. Not a weakness. And they have the same type of base running that the Royals did 2014-2015 when they went on that type of run. Uh, It's absolutely, unbelievably um, impressive watching how they go about playing ball. They do not need the home run in order to score an obscene number of runs on you, which means how are you going to defend against that? If they're succeeding without you making a mistake across the entire team, instead of as an individual who doesn't need a mistake, a whole team who doesn't need mistakes, lefties, righties, aggression, patience, it's going to give the Phillies a run for their money. I think it's going to be Phillies, D-backs the whole way for the last playoff spot. And I think the Brewers are going to come in. They're going to be in the race, but they're going to come in right behind those two teams. That's going to be the National League. I have the Braves over the Mets. That's my final it's my final pick, Braves over the Mets. I debated that for months. I have the Padres over the Dodgers. Again, something I debated for months. Now, in the American League, like I said, everybody knows the Yankees and the Jays and the Astros are going to be in the playoffs. Those are, duh. That's three of the six spots already spoken for. So now we're talking about who's going to win the Central. Well, Chicago White Sox are getting a full season of Clevenger, which was a question for a minute with, you know, what went on with, you know, his his, his uh, sexual assault or maybe it was physical assault. He did something really messed up to, to his girlfriend. Um, but, you know, it, it was proven that it didn't happen or, or something. But them getting a full season of him is a really, really big deal for their roster because if they can get enough pitching from guys like Lance Lynn and Dylan Cease and him, um, they have the bullpen. They have the superstars within their lineup. They have Oscar Colas, who's coming up from the minors. He's now playing every single day for them. And we're talking about Cuban superstar, left-handed hitter, power, patience. Lefty, that's the big thing, lefty. They brought in Andrew Benintendi to be the left fielder. Another lefty, contact hitter, uh, runs the bases, very smart player, great defender. Gold glove, he won a gold glove in left field like a year or two ago. And they have Luis Robert in center field. So all of a sudden, their outfield defense, which had like Andrew Vaughn playing out there and Eloy Jimenez playing out there, who should never play the outfield ever, not even in a video game, okay? Just should not happen, not an option, okay? They're out of the outfield. And now you have plus defenders replacing both of them and guys who are lefties. And this is a big deal because high likelihood, Mankata's not going to hit for them the way that they want High likelihood, Grandal's not going to hit for them the way that they want. And those are two of their lefty bats. So they're going to need lefties to balance things out. Like Tim Anderson's a righty. Eloy Jimenez is a righty. Andrew Vaughn is a righty. Luis Robert is a righty. So the fact that they brought in Benintendi and they brought in Colas, and the fact that you know Benintendi is specifically not someone who needs mistakes. He's a very smart ball player, very well-rounded. He is more about getting singles and doubles then he's focused on getting homers. He's that type of player. Very smart, very well-rounded. Having those guys fix the outfield defense and provide left-handed complementary bats for all of those righties. And mind you, those righties are studs. I think this is going to be the year where the White Sox finally take 
you know, the talent that they have and win the division. The Twins are too much of a risk between the injuries of Correa and the injuries of Buxton and all of the rookies and youth of guys like Carroll off with his injury issues, Nick Gordon as he acclimates to the big leagues, uh, Trevor Larnack, who could be really good, um, but also I worry about some ground balls with him. I worry about a little bit of swing and miss with him. He's not like an incredible defender. Um, but they have a lot of different things that are like, okay, is, is that going to work for me? Is that going to work for me? When is Royce Lewis going to be ready? You know, because of all those question marks, I, and of course the pitching question marks with the twins, I can't imagine them winning the division. And also how are they going to contend for one of those wild card spots with that? Um, so I think that the White Sox are very clearly going to take that division. I think I said that earlier this offseason. I'm going to stick with my White Sox pick. Um, because I picked I picked them the last couple of years. I'm sticking with it. I'm not, you know, getting gun shy. Um, so now we have the Astros, the White Sox, the Jays, and the Yankees. That's four of the six teams. So we had two spots left, two spots being between these teams, the Angels, the Rays. The Red Sox. Different things happening here could lead to different outcomes. For instance, if somebody who's major for the Angels gets hurt, Trout or Tani or Rendon, or you, you, you get it, right? Then they're at a severe disadvantage. However, they brought in Urshela, they brought in Renfro, they brought in Ohapi. Uh, they're getting a full season of hitting from Taylor Ward now that he's acclimated. Trout is fully healthy. You got Otani in there, of course. It looks like Walsh is going to be back fairly shortly to take over first base. They got Drury, who's – I don't love him, but if you're using him as a nine-hole hitter, which is essentially what they're doing, he's a great fit at second base. Um, and, like, you know, if Rendon ends up bouncing back, which he very well could, you know, you're looking at a very deep, very powerful, very clutch lineup. And they brought in guys like Anderson in the offseason, so – if you're looking at, you know, what their starting rotation did last year, including who they added, what he did last year, they actually now have a starting rotation. So with what they have now, best well-rounded club that the Angels have had in, in, in years and in years, I feel very comfortable with them getting one of the playoff spots, especially over a team like the Red Sox, who's still trying to figure things out, even though they have lots of talent, they're still trying to figure things out, like, can we depend on sales health? Can we depend on Paxton's health? Can we get them healthy? Can Garrett Whitlock end up being a starting pitcher instead of a reliever? Can, you know, Jaron Duran adjust to the big leagues? How is, you know, uh, Yo uh, uh, Yoshida going to do his first year in the big leagues? Can we stop Verdugo from his decline? Is Casas going to be able to come up to the big leagues and like immediately produce uh, despite the fact that he was rushed through the minors? I mean, he's got a great eye. He's got a you know good bat. A lot of power, left-handed hitter, great defense. So maybe they'll just keep running him out there. What are they going to do at catcher? Like, there's a lot of question marks with Boston. That's kind of making me feel like they're the Brewers of the of the American League, where they're still sorting some things out, and it's not going to be enough to come together in time uh, to you know be able to compete with the other teams. So that gives us the Angels, the Astros, the White Sox the Yankees, the Rays, and the Blue Jays as the six American League playoff teams. So go over real quick before we sign out. We got the Yankees winning the division. We got the, the Jays 
wild card. We got the White Sox winning the division. We got the Astros winning their division. We got the Angels being in another wild card. And then the final wild card spot is the Tampa Bay Rays. So Rays wild card, Jays wild card, Angels wild card, Astros, White Sox, Yankees division. National League, Braves, Cardinals, Padres division, wild card, Mets, Dodgers, Diamondbacks. And that's what we got for 2023. I'm going to publish the actual list and the projections division to division, first team to fifth team online sometime the next couple of weeks. And there you go. I think this is the first year that we've been able to get all of the list done in a short enough amount of time that there wasn't so many adjustments that we had to start all over. We just got it out for you guys. There were still adjustments, especially given that it's, you know, early season. But a lot of the adjustments were between getting guys from the honorable mentions list, putting them on the list, getting guys from on the list and putting them on the honorable mentions list. There were relatively few players that went completely off the list. And some of the players that I was like uh, debating on that came off of the list, like, I, I keep looking at these guys. So it's like if they come off the list and there's a reason that they keep coming off the list, even though that there's some good things, um, I need to trust my calls. I need to trust my guns um, because I do think that given the fact that there was no time off here, this is the best list that I have made for you guys that I, since I've been making content, um, I hope you guys like it. I hope it's a, a good way of on a game to game basis. When someone comes up to the plate at minimum, if you don't know them, if they're on the list. You'll know to consider them. You'll know to watch them. And I'm hoping that it can kind of be like that, you know, something that you keep by you when you're watching ball games. So if there's someone that you don't know who's batting, you can be like, should I know them? If they're on the list. You should look into them, you know? So I'm hoping this can kind of be a guide for your season. Uh, at least offensively, uh, well, position player-wise, because we got defense and base running in there. But position player-wise, I'm, ho- I'm hoping it can be a bit of a guide. All right, Chris, that's what I got. And that's the story. Let's go. Let's go. And we'll see you on the next one.